Coach Edelstein here, your celeb expert and your celeb savant. Celeb Savant is a weekly entertainment show. We have long-form career retrospective type interviews with celebrities, singers, actors, and industry experts. On this episode of Celeb Savant, I'll be speaking to Hunter Kennedy from De Heavils Fantastis. De Heavils Fantastis is an Afrikaans rock band from Belleville, South Africa. The group is made up of Hunter, Pierre Greif, Fred Den Hartog and Sheldon Yoko. As of 2022, they have released eight studio albums and four EPs, all on their own record label. Up next on Celebsvant, we've got Hunter Kennedy from De Heavils Fantastis. Tell us, where do we find you in the world? How are you doing and what's happening in your life? Um, I Well, yeah, all of us are based in, in uh, Cape Town and surrounds. I... Uh, grew up in a northern suburb of Cape Town. Uh, it's it's called Belleville. I don't think anyone from outside of Cape Town will know where that <laughs> is. Uh, yeah, man, I'm I'm doing pretty well. I'm feeling good in comparison to the last three years. It, I, this one feels pretty good, although there's some other challenges in South Africa. But I mean, it's uh, at least our industry is kind of uh, back up and running. And everything is kind of turned turned back to normal. What am I doing with my life? So I uh, I also play in a band called Folk of Pulisikar, and we're releasing, or we have to write and then release uh, an album this year. It's our it's our twenty year anniversary vibe. Uh, with Yevos, we'll probably be doing another EP, and we yeah we've got about sixty shows. Uh, lined up this year and I am actually trying to write a book myself which is probably the biggest challenge uh, because it's going to take a lot of self-discipline which is something I completely lack. (laughs) So we'll get on to that a little bit later but let's first dive into the De Heavils Fantastic story. So let's go back to the very beginning. Pre to that, what was your introduction to music how did you f- find it to become a passion of yours? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I've been a fan of music since a young age. Uh, I think my parents were big fans. of. I, I don't know if they were fans of music, but there was always a lot of music in my house. So I don't really know how to explain that. I don't know if they like had their favorite bands the same way that I do. Yep. But, you know, there was uh, Queen, Cat Stevens, Creedence Clearwater Revival with there's in the Afrikaans community, there's like a certain, there's certain CDs that every single like <laughs> Afrikaans household had. And it's like that blue double Elton John CD and the Doors film uh, album and the Cat Stevens greatest hits and the Queen's greatest hits. Yeah. That, you, you know, so I mean, and that young, I'm talking young, like age four to about. I just just prepubescent to about ten. It, you know, I was probably listening to the same stuff as as my parents and just enjoying it, yeah. jumping up and down on the bed with a racket, uh, a tennis racket, like acting like you're playing guitar to Bruce Springsteen, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. I've got a photo where I'm trying to put on Wham's um, uh, "Wake Me Up." That was like my favorite song and is kind of still in my top 10, <laughs> just next to stuff like Slayer. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, Whitney Houston's I Want to Dance with Somebody. Vanilla Ice was actually my first CD that, that I got. Yes. So, you know, there's some good stuff and there's some bad stuff in there. 
but yeah, I mean, at that age, I wasn't considering any kind of um, employment or jobs. So I was just kind of enjoying tunes. And then kind of prepubescent, I think I started getting a bit um, disillusioned with the world, maybe. And, you know, then just before Nirvana, it was kind of stuff like Guns N' Roses, uh, Alice Cooper. I don't know if you remember the Wayne's World films, but yes. that... that that franchise actually introduced me to quite a bit of classic rock that I that I had never heard before. Whether it was banned in South Africa or my parents didn't listen to it, you know, I'm not sure. Guns N' Roses was sort of shock factor um, for me. I remember there was a song called "Get in the Ring" on Use Your Illusion Two, where they swore, and that was the first time I heard like swearing in a song. <laughs> and I don't know if I I don't think I was that impressed, but. It definitely affected me, you know. It, I definitely felt something, which is yeah. kind of interesting. Um, and then Nirvana came, came along, and that kind of opened up a whole bag of emotions that I had not known had names, you know. What I mean? like <laughs> yeah, angst yeah, yeah, yeah. And that kind of stuff. And from there on, I think it was quite punk. Offspring, Alanis Morissette. I had a. I don't know if it's like this for everyone, but a. a, a friend of mine's older brother was quite into metal with like death metal and that kind of stuff. So uh, Slayer, Sepultura, Pantera, that whole metal scene I was quite enamored with. Um, I kind of liked the, I don't want to say, not outlaw, I mean, it's not criminal, but the yeah, kind yeah. of um, the the outsider maybe, you know, I, I, kind of, I gravitated towards that stuff and it was just completely different to what I had ever heard. And there was only a few of us because at that stage, uh, I wasn't in Cape Town. I was staying in uh, Pine Town in in Durban, and yeah, in a little school called Tolosa. There, there, there wasn't a lot of people listening to that stuff. <laughs> uh, anyway, yes, so, uh, dude. Yeah, that, then I moved back here, gave my heart to the Lord, and then moved moved on to like Christian punk metal stuff, which okay. is. An oxymoronic sort of genre, in my opinion. Now. Yeah. And there was actually a senior there. There was young, um, young punk. I'm saying young now. They were older than I was, but Vainan that plays with me in Folk of Poliscar, he played in a band then called Nailed. And there would be these punk parties at a local park where kids could skate. And, you know, it was like a whole, a whole scene, kind of a DIY, the, the DIY aspect of it really, yeah. uh, appealed to me. Uh, there no, Major labels and just sort of punk kids being able to to be themselves. That that was that kind of appealed to me. Um, I started playing guitar at about sixteen, and then I hooked up with uh, Francois that uh, Francois van Kirk that that plays with me in Folk of Pelisigar, and Vainant, uh, who's the bassist in Folk of Pelisigar. They came to pick me up one day to have a jam. They're older than I am. Van uh, four years older than I am, so he was out of school already. And uh, Francois was, yeah, in, he was 19. I was 17. I was in standard nine. So I felt very cool because these guys that I kind of looked up to in the scene came to pick me up to jam. But now in hindsight, I think they kind of ruined the life my parents had planned for me. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, yeah, man. And so we started jamming myself and Francois. We started a, uh, like a pop punk band, uh, called, it was then, then it was called a guy called Gerald in, in 99. Uh, and it was quite rad for me, uh, in hindsight. I, I didn't really, 
think about it then, but I mean, I was playing clubs that I, I wasn't even really allowed to be in. You know what I mean? So <laughs> that, I think that's kind of a cool little, what's the word? Like introduction yeah. to the scene. And, and I guess at quite an early age, I, I still didn't really think about doing music for a living because it just didn't seem like a, a option. You know, yeah. there, there was no one I knew that was making music the way that we were and actually making a living off of it. All the guys from the, from the Christian punk scene, they were doing other jobs and like the band was just kind of a sideline thing. We, uh, we, myself and Francho with our band New World Inside, uh, we toured the country with Fuzzy Kish. We actually got signed to a, a local skateboard brand that also had a label. They were called Revolution. Um, and we toured with Fuzzy Gish and made some good friends. And I mean, it, it was quite a experience because we didn't have enough money to fly. So we had to take the train. Uh, I mean, there's lots of stories there anyway, <laughs> you know, uh, kind of, kind of just living, living from hand to mouth day to day kind of stuff and, and debauchery. All the time. I, I, I went to go study art at the University of Stellenbosch and dropped out because I, I didn't really attend. We would like go and record an album and yeah. I would just not write ex- exams. <laughs> so, which is obviously not that rad to do to my parents, but I mean, I think it kind of turned out for the better in the end. Yeah. And uh, we quit that band to start Folk of Policicar. We had this idea because. I mean, we were really into punk and even though punk was picking up in popularity, I don't necessarily think that that was the biggest consideration, but we wanted to make the music that we listened to in our own language. I think we started feeling like the only way that we're going to be honest is if we sing in our mother tongue. You know, in, in English, we were sort of just copying uh, the other bands. There was nothing really new that we were saying. Yeah. And so that's how Folk of Policicar, um, came about. And that was, and, and from 2003 to 2006 was a crazy couple of years touring with, with Folk of. And then Folk of Policicar took a break because we, we were just like, screw this. We're not making any money, killing ourselves touring and no, no one cares. Um, and then about a month later, Axkaila started playing on on a, a local music channel at that time called MK89, and it seemed like the band was getting more popular than ever. But in that little hiatus, all of us kind of started other other bands, which is funny because I mean we quit that one just to start other ones, right? <laughs> uh, and I think myself and Francho, we were actually under the illusion that we would write, so both of us started studying English through UNISA, but subsequently kind of just forgot that we were studying. <laughs> and so that never that never turned into anything. But yeah, in that time, while Fokov was taking a hiatus, yes, okay, so I left a few things out there. Um, in high school, like, there's there's a thing called Fun Fokantastis now, or, you know, a few years ago, and that's Fun Kagartel, um, Fokov Blisikar, Devils, Fantastis, and A King. It's four bands. And a lot of those members in high school played in each other's bands. Like, um, okay. Feynman Paces and Folk of Policicar played with Laudu vocalists from A King with, and with Pierre vocalists from The Evils Fantastis in a band called Time Spent, for okay. instance. And, uh, uh, 
Yaku, drummer of Focal Polisicar, and Johnny, guitarist of Focal Polisicar, and initial guitarist of Diablos Fantastis. They played in a band with Jack's Panic together called 22 Stars, and we would all kind of share a stage, New World Inside, and those two bands, you know? So it's like the same people, but in different iterations. Yes. And so yes. in that, in that time that Focal Polisicar took a break, myself and Pierre, started because he had a band called La Croix Guitar that was on the scene the same time as Fogel Polisicar and they also broke up. And we, uh, myself and Pierre, sort of had this idea of starting a pop band, you know, at, at that stage being basically the opposite of Fogel Polisicar, not swearing, not going too political, and sort of just, um, we were kind of taken by the electro at that, it was about 2008, 2009, and we were we called it electro. I guess it's electro pop. That was that was kind of moving into our spheres, and we wanted to make something that sounds kind of electro, but it's got the structure of of classic rock. Yeah, uh, and yeah. So we we started uh, doing the Evils Fantastis, and at that stage, it was myself and Pierre and Johnny. And, uh, yeah, I mean, our first shows, we were basically doing like karaoke. It was just myself and Pierre singing and Johnny like on the computer, just pressing, pressing play. And <laughs> since then it's evolved. Uh, Freddie joined us maybe a year or two later. So on the first album, it's just myself and Pierre and Johnny. And, uh, on our second album, Velarsi Voltaine, Fred and, Fred and Ardog had joined and our ex drummer, Philip Erasmus. Uh, so we kind of got a band together and, did the band thing. And I mean, I can carry on, but that's where Yevil started. The, the name. So for the overseas listeners, what does the name mean? Translate to in English. Right. Um, it, it's basically the fant- the fantastic hills, I guess. Okay. Uh, yes. Some, something like that. And because we were struggling for a name, uh, at, f- at first we wanted to, to call ourselves Diere, which is like, it could either be the gentleman or the lord, or yes. in English it could be di- it could be dire. But because we kind of wanted to move away from the the um, infamy or what's the like damaging sort of uh, thoughts of of, folk of the folk of Polisigar brand, and, yeah, you know what I mean. We we wanted to keep it clean, and we actually said to ourselves, we want the the evils to be. The kind of thing the family, the whole family can listen to in the car yes. driving to the Kruger, Kruger National Park for a uh, vacation or whatever, you know. So, so we chose to not go with Diere and we were drinking margaritas and looking at, because uh, we live quite close to the Durbanville Hills area, which is part of the uh, Western Cape wine route. And I mean, yes. there's a lot of beautiful rolling, like green vineyardy hills. Yes. And so it, Someone said, let's just call it the hills and then some, which is Diavos. And then someone else said, fantastic. And then it was like, whoa, okay, <laughs> Diavos, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, Diavos, fantastic. Yeah. I like that. So at 16, what about the guitar was it that appealed to you that you started playing that compared to maybe the keyboard or the drums? What was the motivation behind that? Interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, at that stage, I was into hip hop as well, stuff like Cypress Hill and, um, what other, Tupac, you know, Biggie, that kind of, that kind of stuff. But I, I never even thought of 
getting a uh, a drum machine or a keyboard. You know, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know why. I think I, I um, imagery of Slash and Brian May. Yes, like we will rock you solo pops up in my mind of just really emotionally impacting me. So uh, I don't know if it's destiny or serendipity or whatever, but I, I don't think I ever wanted to play any other instrument. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't really a tough choice. I, I inherited, like, I think 5,000 rand from my grandfather, and I bought, like, a, a kind of cheap guitar and an amp. Yeah, that was it. And everyone else, I think, in my circles, it was basically the guitar, you know? And so before I got a guitar, kind of learned playing guitar and other people's acoustic guitars and that kind of thing. So were you self-taught? Did you have lessons from the other people or – or was it a natural affiliation to it? No, no, I'm definitely not a natural musician. <laughs> it was quite uh, tough. And I was always jealous of my friends whose parents are like musicians or music teachers because they obviously progressed a lot quicker than I did. Uh, I think I had a, I had one lesson when I was still in, in Durban. I mean, he's a great guy or whatever, but I think he tried to teach me what did he try to, he tried to teach me some song and I was just like, I don't think this is going to work. So, uh, I bought, I bought those books that you buy in the, and that, I mean, we had internet, but it wasn't that great yet. Yes, so yeah. you still, still bought the tablature books from the music shops at that stage. And I bought Metallica Load. And so Metallica Load is basically the album that I learned to play guitar on. And I, then I quickly figured out that I won't be playing solos <laughs> i'll be playing <laughs> rhythm <laughs> what's the difference between rhythm and solos though, for us who don't know solos would be sort of the impressive stuff <laughs> yeah if you uh it's higher pitch notes and it's uh i think it almost sounds like they're making it up as they go okay you know, it's the it's the impressive Yes, and the heads stuff. are going, and the heads are swinging side to side. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jimmy Page. I mean, sure, lo- lots of bands only have one guitarist, but some something like Nirvana, for instance. I don't think there's a lot of lead guitar in the three-piece grunge outfits. Green Day, they yeah. don't really have lead guitars. It's more like a like a classic rock thing, almost. Like I was saying, Brian May slash when you're really feeling it and their fingers are going crazy like that, that's lead guitar. <laughs> okay. Uh, they're almost playing, they're almost playing like a, a, a main melody. It would be something like a vocalist might sing if they're showing off, you know, okay. whereas a uh, rhythm guitar is playing. You're, you're a part of the rhythm section. You're not a lead instrument. So you're, you're playing with the bass and the drums and connecting with them rhythmically and following that same structure. You know? uh, okay. Understood. Now, let's speak to your guys' creative process. So from zero to a three to four minute song, how does that come about? Is it easy for you guys to create that each time? Is it difficult? What is that process for a song for The Heavils Fantastics? I think it's easy to make a song, but making a good song is quite hard. And it, it's, like a, it's, it's like a thing without a ceiling, you know? I don't think you're ever going to be, well, I don't think I'm ever going to be like, Okay, I did it. I wrote the best song I can write, and now, now it's over. It's it's yeah. just the, the the songs are never perfect. So, uh, but yeah, in the Yevils, uh, which is which now comprises mainly of um, uh, Pierre Griff, 
myself and Fred and Artoch, that's the band. And then other people kind of join uh, uh, along the way. We have a, we have a long time session drummer, Sheldon Yoko, but he's not necessarily always part of the writing process. So it's basically us three. And, um, everyone sort of does a little bit of everything. It's, there's no, there's no set way of doing it. Like someone might bring a riff, someone might bring a full song, someone might only have lyrics. But I mean, I, I guess the thing is that stays the same as we get together and we write. And usually the music sort of comes first and then we'll write the lyrics uh, over that. Okay. If that answered your question. It's yes, just, no, no. It's, no. it's really just getting together every single time. It's, it's some, there'll be new problems, you know. <laughs> problems, I like well, that. Well, problem solving, you know what I mean? It's constant <laughs> yes. problem solving. Yeah, 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 yeah. The book that you're writing, can you tell us a little bit more? Oh, or... Wow. <laughs> Is it in the beginning stages, very beginning stages, or what's happening with that? I, I have outlined it. It's it's uh, it's fiction. It's not it's not nonfiction with music. I'm I'm quite a pop culture fanatic, so yes, uh, with music, films and books also played a major uh, role in my life. So I wouldn't mind doing all of it because I feel like all those three things have shaped uh, my way of thinking and helped me out of tough times and that kind of thing you know yes um so i don't really want to give away the story okay um, no, that's fine. But, but but yeah it's it's my favorite authors are neil gaiman and stephen king and i guess i am gonna try to write an afrikaans book in that style i okay. don't think i've ever encountered that and i used to love spook stories when i was younger so yes yeah you know, i would like to do something like that Okay, and then putting it out there will be successful, and then there'll be a movie to follow on from that, based on this. Question. Jeez, <laughs> well, I like, I like your positivity. I love it. But yeah, I, I was thinking, let me just get the first one done, and then maybe in twenty years, I would be good at it. You know, yeah. Well, let, you know, think big or go home. <laughs> That's right. So I'm going to put you on the spot. I love playing this game. My the recipients don't like always like it, because I know okay. if I had to. I know if I had to ask you this question in two minutes, two hours, two days, 20 days, I know the answer would be different every single time. So if I, sure, had, to, sure. if I had to ask you your top five go-to songs by other artists in this moment, what would they be? Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm just, I don't know if you're going to know it, but maybe people will listen to it. There's, yep. uh, I actually have these semi on hand because we've <laughs> got a, a group of people that every, every year at about uh, the end of November, we, uh, the WhatsApp group pops up and then everyone sort of shares their top five songs of the okay. year. And then there's a, a voting process and then there's like an overall winner kind of thing. Okay. But okay. so this year, my Spotify play, my Spotify algorithm is quite screwed because my daughter also listens to music on my, on my Spotify thing. So I don't really hear that. They are throwing out some crazy stuff because I still listen to like punk from the 90s and new death metal. And then there's like Avril Lavigne and Dua Lipa and uh, Frozen kind of <laughs> all, all in, all all in, in one. one sphere. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's there's an uh, artist I discovered uh, for myself this year called Jake's Xerxes Fossil. And okay. um, he, he's got a song called love farewell that I, that i really love can you uh yeah it's very stripped down 
folky kind of thing. Uh, yeah, I just love it. I think it's beautiful. It's not really conforming to any sort of um, zeitgeist or whatever. And I think that's kind of what I like about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just old school, wholesome goodness. I really love it. You should check it out. <laughs> okay. I actually, th- this is not going to be, uh, did you say five? Yeah, it's five. <laughs> Your top okay. five. Uh, yeah. This is not going to be a part of my top five, but I actually really like the Harry Styles album. I, I think out of everything, kind of music in general, I think Harry Styles made the best album last year. Okay. Um, there is this TikToker called Ben Lapidus. Yeah. That's been making funny, funny songs like Parmesan cheese and <laughs> call your mom and that, you know, that kind yeah, of yeah. weird TikToky stuff. Yeah. But he's recently uh, made a, a song called uh, Less Happy and More Free, which I think is really cool because it's kind of honing his sense of irony into something that's getting closer to poetry. Yes. And, um, the music is kind of grungy. It's got, not like an early 2000s mm, emo punk vibe, grungy yeah. emo punk vibe. Yeah. Really love it. Less, less happy and more free. Uh, let me see what else do I have on you. Two more. We got two more. Uh, well, okay. Uh, there's, there's a local band called Easy Freak. Yeah. And they released a song, a local, yeah, South African. There's a local uh, called Easy Freak and they, released a song if you want it at the end of last year and i think it's brilliant it's it to me it's it's electronic yacht rock almost it's it's like a toned <laughs> down a to, it's like a toned down um daft punky yeah thing yeah very very cool and especially because they're local i i think it's brilliant i am trying I'm just trying to decide what to say next. I'm not going to throw in any of the heavy stuff, really. There's this girl that I really love, Penelope Scott, and uh, she's got a song called "Rat" with like a umlaut a, and it's uh, it's about it's about Elon Musk, and I just think the, the lyrics are absolutely brilliant. I, I'm just going to try to find this one line for you. Okay, she and uh, the. The production on this track is also quite crazy. It's it's like hyper. I think it's called hyper pop. Maybe I'm not exactly sure if she fits all of the criteria for that genre, but it's it sounds like TV game music and a yes. little bit of like almost like you you recorded your acoustic guitar like on one of those mics that you wear on your head when you're having meetings. And yes, stuff, yes, you know yes, what I mean? yes. So the production is very interesting. I just want to look for this one line that I think is so. Funny. Um, there's she goes like you promised to be Tesla, but you're just another Edison. Um, <laughs> do you do you mind if I swear? I mean, no, that's okay. It's, that's okay. it's from the song. So it goes, um, so fuck your tunnels, fuck your cars, fuck your rockets, fuck your cars again. You promised you'd be Tesla, but you're just another Edison. Because Tesla broke a patent, all you ever broke were hearts. I can't believe you tore humanity apart with the very same machines that could have been our brand new start. And, and, so, and there's lots of other lovely little thises <laughs> yeah. in there. I think it's so so cool. Uh, then the other one is a guy called Hayden Padigo. And yeah. he brought an album in 2021. I love, I just love the cover. It's like a, 
you know, what high school paintings look like. I'm not yes. exactly sure what you call that style, yes. but that yes. style yeah. of like a guy in death metal makeup in front of like a uh, American, large American truck. But the the music, it's called drone folk. So it's all this this kind of maybe like a soft drone in the background and it's just instrumental and this guy playing beautiful acoustic guitar. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, the song that I really love is uh, Carthage. It just puts me on a vibe. It's very cinematic. So when you travel and look out the window, it's, it's a nice vibe. Well, so I haven't heard of a few of those. So I'm definitely going to Google them and look them up. Previously, you, as you mentioned, we had CDs. Um, previously to that was tapes, records, they are making a comeback. Um, I love a CD. I love the holding the aesthetic of holding something and the booklet and the images. And for me, it's a journey of like, cool, I'm going to budget to get this this month. And it's a thank you to the artists for all the hard work that you guys put into creating music. What is your perceptions of the way people are consuming music now as an in, in the streaming platforms compared to, you know, the physical world? What are your thoughts around that? I think the record labels are always going to find a way to fuck the artist, basically. You know what I mean? So, I mean, as a listener, streaming is very convenient to me. Mm-hmm. It's a lot cheaper, but I agree with you. You know, I grew up and I guess it was like that be- the generations before us too, since the fifties or whatever with vinyls and tapes and eight tracks and whatever else. Uh, but you know what? Except for going to the library or the bookstore or the video store, going to the CD store was yeah. one of my favorite things. I could yeah. spend hours in there because because we could still, I think it kind of went away, but we could still go and if you didn't know the band, you could take the CD and they pop it on for you and you could actually listen yes. to the album. I kind of like that music discovery because as you also said, the booklet, I just love the physical tactile thing and sort of the amount of effort all the choices that the band have had to make with their graphic designer kind of tells you a little bit more about them, right? And it gives you some more context maybe for the song that you're listening to. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a massive fan. I still love that stuff. But, yeah, I mean, that's kind of gone now. Although, I, uh, uh, yeah, vinyl, vinyl's made a comeback, but, I mean, it's not going to be the biggest source of income for your band. It's kind of just changed the way that you plan because in the past, we'd record an album and then you'd sort of make your money back within the first month. Of, yes. You know, if the album was any good, you'd sell a lot of records and you'd be making your money back. So I think that's possibly why we've moved into a single single sort of um, music economy because that's maybe a better better business plan instead of spending for just for argument's sake, 300,000 rand on an album and only one song is going to do the streaming. Yeah, that might have worked in the old days because people would buy a CD just for one song. Yeah, but now you'd rather spend fifty k on a video uh, and the recording of a song and go and tour and play covers, but you have that one song that brings people. That you know, yeah, it, yeah, it yeah. just sort of cha- changes the way that you're the dynamic. Now, the podcast is listened to throughout the world. As a final message to the listening audience, what would you like to say? Thanks. I would like to say <laughs> thank you. I mean, I really love what I do and all of us do. And, you know, I think I'm not exactly sure what to call it, but this music, music making thing, uh, it takes two parties. It takes both the audience and the artists. And, uh, coming from the DIY scene, I don't necessarily think there's a hierarchy there, you know? Yeah. Um, 
And so, you know, it takes two to tango. It takes people to listen and feel it and sing the songs back to you for us to really feel it and carry on doing what we're doing. So we're building this thing together. So I would just like to say thank you. Brilliant. So as Hunter said, thank you for listening. This is Leb Savant signing out.